Hello, everybody. I am so glad to be back. I feel like we're halfway into August, but my calendar tells me that we're clearing into the end of September. And I don't know about you, but that's a bit of a disconcerting sensation. The good news, though, is that with the fall comes a bit more structure for me. And uh, most Mondays from here on out, I will have some uninterrupted focused time, which means Tuesdays being podcast days may actually become a more consistent reality. (laughs) Woohoo! So today we are continuing our conversation on ownership and relational space. I'm, I'm actually looking forward to wrapping up this conversation. A few of you uh, have asked, when am I going to talk about sex? <laughs> now, the people who've asked me that are the people who know me very well and know that I really, really do enjoy talking about sex. Um, and I, I've said up to this point that I really want to be careful about when I open up that topic because, well, the title to this podcast is a bit provocative already. So I I don't want anybody being uh, confused around what my focus is here. Um, But I think I think we're ready to 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 broach that topic. I think it's a it's an important topic and and definitely one that I enjoy thinking about and discussing. Um so I think I'm ready to to open up that can of worms and I'm I'm sure you're not surprised to uh discover that I have I have some pretty well considered notions uh in this area. It really is a an extension of what we talk about um up to this point even with relationship and being fully ourselves and I mean I think that uh that that sex is is really an expression of being fully um naked and unashamed. And so we're going to explore some of those topics and I, I guess when I think about um, sex, it's really this, it's how we manage ourselves in relationship, right? That ultimate expression of of naked and unashamed. But I also want to talk about how culture, right? The the culture at large, the church culture, how we think about sex um, based on some of the notions we've inherited, how that disrupts and derails our, our best efforts, towards being exposed and accepted. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. But before we can get there, we need to finish what we've started here. And I think this episode will wrap up nicely what we have been discussing so far. So this conversation began with an illustration of what it looks like to take ownership of our needs and priorities in a relationship, regardless of how the other person responds. And we talked about uh, the vision for relationship having to do with expressing freedom in our choices. And and in that, also allowing the other person uh, the freedom to express their choices. We chatted about how getting closer in relationship consists of an, an ongoing testing and risking of vulnerability and regard as, as we reveal more of ourselves and allow the other to respond. Reveal and respond. Reveal and respond. Lather 
rinse, <laughs> repeat. In the process of risking, we, we talked about using questions as a tool um, to give us insight into what's really going on because sometimes we're just overwhelmed by our emotions or by our instinct to self-protect. And, and sometimes we need to protect right? Because there can be some very real disappointments and discomforts that arise in the risking of vulnerability in relationship, right? We may not be regarded as we expected to be. We, we may be inadvertently setting ourselves up to be hurt. So we discussed these increasing levels of vulnerability through vulnerability windows um, and, and how to kind of risk in stages so we can discern more clearly if, if somebody really wants to be in a closer relationship with us and, and, and if they're safe for us to risk moving closer toward. So today, we're going to take that um, into this, this space of, of really what, is it, what does it look like when we hit a limit? How do we um, respect that space, that relational space that's created when we hit a limit in relationship? Um, in my mind, every relationship has a limit. Every single relationship. Limits aren't necessarily a, a negative thing, right? Too often, you know, we expect there to be no limit. Oh my goodness, I just met this new person and they're the best thing ever. And 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 we we go on this course of thinking, wow, it's the best thing ever. And we equate that with, with no limitations. And it's when we hit a limitation that, that everything can just completely go south in an instant because we had this expectation that there were no limits when there are always limits, right? So we, we either get crushed when we find one or we, we deny that it's really there. <laughs> we just continue to invest blindly, which causes a lot more heartache and chaos than is really necessary if we could just accept the limit and determine what does that limit do in our relationship, right? Even the best of relationships have limits. Limits don't necessarily indicate something is wrong. They may indicate a, a difference of preference or priority or perspective or personality. And, and while limits can be disappointing, they usually are in some way, right? They, they, they might represent some losses that we need to grieve, but they don't mean we need to feel negatively toward the person with whom we've, we've hit that limit. I, I have a good friend of mine <laughs> <laughs> who's the opposite of me in a number of ways, but one really, like, really important way. <laughs> because when we get discussing these grand topics of life, as we do, if we're doing this in the evening, this friend of mine at some point is going to fall asleep on me. <laughs> you know who you are, friend. <laughs> and now this friend could have woken me up from the deepest sleep. I may have started the conversation completely exhausted. And, and this other person may have started with so much energy, they're bursting at the seams. And through the course of the conversation, when as they're getting kind of like um, fed in, in, through our this great discussion, they're winding down and saying, wow, I'm so full and satisfied. I'm going to fall asleep and I'm climbing the walls because now I am so charged up and revved up. Now, this is a limit in our relationship. There's, we've, we've hit a wall here, right? She's asleep and I'm climbing the walls. And Now, this is not a limit that indicates something that we 
have to end our relationship over. But it is a limit. I, I'm disappointed in those moments, and so is she. She's like, I miss the rest of that. You've got more things that we, we want to discuss, and, and I, I just can't. I'm, I'm hitting a wall. I'm shutting down. Um, so there's a, there is a limit there, but it doesn't necessarily have to be something negative, right? It doesn't define our relationship. We both uh, agree to deal with the fallout and make it work because there are other things that are important. But I also know, as does she, that... If we want to have these great conversations, we can't have them in, in the middle of the evening or the middle of the night, right? We, we, we've got to <laughs> pick it back up someplace else, right? Other limits can create issues in a relationship, right? When, when one person, for instance, considers um, punctuality a really high priority, right? To them, making anyone wait is, is just disrespectful, right? And a character flaw, while, while maybe the other person budgets time differently and has a different perspective on time, right? There are people from other cultures who aren't good or bad people, right? Relatively speaking, they're just the same, and yet there's a different sense of time. And when somebody has the perspective that, that your sense of time is disrespectful, that can cause some major issues, right? So in order for the relationship to be worked through, right, that limit, uh, to be kind of managed in that relationship, that means that, that there, there's going to have to be a compromise. Maybe one person is bending in some situations and one person is bending um, in, in others. And it could be a make it or break it. It really depends on how the people who have this limit manage themselves around it, right? So so that there, there are limits that can not cause issue. There are limits that can cause issue. There can be neutral limits in a relationship, right? How far away we live from one another, right? Major age differences could be a limitation. Like the things we have in common, personality types, passions, perspectives, right? Our general affinity with one another, you know, those kinds of things. They're not good or bad. They're just, they're differences and they create a limitation, Right. We I think sometimes we think about relationships like we might we might meet two friends. Right. And there's a there's a group of three of us and two of us seem to be much, much closer. And the third person always feels a little bit out. There can be this dynamic of what's wrong with somebody. There's nothing wrong. Right. There's an affinity difference. So there are ways that that can be worked out. Or maybe it's a limit that means hmm, maybe the three of us aren't able to all hang out together right there have to be things that are that are figured out and worked through they're not good or bad there are some limits that are created because of negative situations though right when someone hurts us right or disregards us maybe they're they're rude or moody or they they create disruption in our lives these can also be simply an outflow of personality differences and perspective differences but but typically we experience expectations attached to the specific relationship that these things are playing out in, right? If somebody else had a similar personality difference or um, maybe they did something that was exactly the same thing as you did, but you and I are brother and sister and so there's an expectation on it and that causes a more negative response. Right? Maybe it's a brother-sister who's close friends that used to be closer. Maybe it's a parent-child or, or spouses. Right, One or both people kind of demonize the other right? in, in order to create these boundaries that are 
otherwise challenging to establish and maintain, right? And instead of taking the responsibility for our own discomfort and priorities and then saying something like, hey, this isn't working for me, right? Sometimes we find ourselves blaming the other, you know, well, if he would just do that, right? Or if, or if she would just see things my way or, you know, something like, well, any reasonable person would do X, Y, Z. <laughs> We've all said these things, right? This is a way to, um, you know, to demonize, to de- dehumanize the other person, um, to kind of bring a false comfort for ourselves, but it really isn't comfort, right? We have to take responsibility for our discomfort in a relationship, right? And, and boundaries are difficult, right? They, they change the dynamic in a relationship, especially when we've allowed a relationship to function in an unhealthy way for a while. It's really hard to own our freedom to make new choices and, and also allow the other person to respond freely with their own choices. Because for a while, the person for whom the old dynamic was still working is going to fight to maintain that status quo. That's just normal. That's just the way we operate. It's like, hold it. It was working for me that you had one cookie, you give me one cookie. You have two, you know, another cookie, I have two other cookies, right? That's, that works for me until you realize, oh, <laughs> you know, you've, you've seen the, the cookie monster, right? One cookie for you, one cookie for me. You know, then you get a second cookie and I get two cookies and then you get the third cookie and I get three cookie, right? Well, at some point when they realize, hold it, that doesn't work for me. You're still going to want to maintain getting all the cookies you were getting before it worked for that long. Why can't it still work? And I'm going to fight to maintain that status quo. That's just, that's how we operate, right? And, and, and we can go into more depth right on boundaries boundaries are they're they're a tricky thing right and they require our, our clarity and strength and, and support um, but I don't want to go too much into those we'll we'll take those on in a future conversation for now I, I want to talk about this this relational space right when we have a limit when we you know like I, I mentioned you know I keep going back to my daughter and, and, and her brother's kicking feet right what how much space would my daughter need to put between her and her brother in order for her to not be worried about the feet hitting her and kicking her, right? How much relational space when we hit a limit do we need to have between us? So I want to talk about a mindset um, that allows us to maintain, right? To establish and maintain that, that, uh, that relational space without the need to foster, you know, negative emotions around it, right? Toward the other person to, to be able to accept the limits, to grieve the losses that they represent and, and to allow appropriate relational space to exist between ourself, right? And, and the other without having this animosity or this angst, right? Um, so a little bit about how my brain works, right? My, my understanding of the character and nature and purposes of God are kind of the undercurrent for a, a lot of how I process life. And, and my understanding of these things has always um, come from kind of pressing what I say, I believe, into the daily workings of, of life and relationship. Um, there have been a number of people in my life who have regarded me differently than, than I expected them to, differently than, than I regarded them. 
and I was hurt and I was confused and, and I learned to name things as they were and I, I learned to, to grieve the losses of, of what I'd hoped for and expected from these people. But there was always this question of how, how do I reconcile myself with them? Right? Do, do I hate them? Do I disconnect myself completely from them? Do I, you know, what I typically did, I, I ate the losses and, and pretended like everything was fine. It's like, well, I'm fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. We're okay. Well, no, not really. So I had to figure out what, what do I do? Right? Because I tried all these different things and, and I didn't really feel, um, what's the word? It didn't feel free. I didn't feel like I was owning my own space, right? So it was about this, this time when I was wrestling with that the most, I, I pressed up against this notion of, of a God that is unconditionally accepting, right? But that, that we experience sometimes as being distant. And when I started to think through that, it gave me a little bit of clarity on how I um, am kind of designed to operate, how we're designed to operate in relationship. Right, this would help me kind of form a clearer understanding of what relational space is. Right? For, for a long time, um, I thought it was me who was putting space between myself and the other person. Right? Like, you know, Jessie's putting space between herself and Justin. She's creating that space because she doesn't want to be hurt by kicking, kicking feet. But really, right? Well, I guess it's kind of like that verse, right? That verse that says uh, that God doesn't hear the prayers of the disobedience, right? Like, like he's saying, like God's saying, hey, if you don't want to treat me like that, you know, let's see if I'll help you with anything ever again. <laughs> As if that's, you know, that's the unconditionally accepting attitude of God. <laughs> it's like, hmm, something doesn't quite fit here, right? And as I wrestled with, the, with verses like these, it occurred to me that it, it wasn't God putting the relational distance in place. God merely respects the choices that we make. God loves unconditionally. This is my primary understanding of God. And and as far as I can see, nothing can contradict that, which means God isn't turning away anyone because of our behavior. God just is, period. There's no getting away from God. Whatever you want to call God, I this unconditional acceptance. There's just no getting away from unconditional acceptance. So if I'm created in the image of God, I'm created to be unconditionally accepting. This is just the logical outflow of my process. So to, to say, um, I'm, I'm here. There's nothing you can do to change my unconditional regard for you. But, but and this is the key. How, how you regard me how your behavior affects me, right? Uh, the choices that you are allowed to freely make, the way I feel when I'm in your presence, these determine how much space is required to be maintained between us. There is a respect I have for that space, a respect for myself and a respect for you that this space represents. It's the amount of space I need in order to see you most clearly as a human of equal worth to me, not better than me, not worse than me, right? So if God sees us and, and regards us as unconditionally accepted, well, I, I want to, to be somebody who, does this, who, who regards others the same way. And it's that relational space that allows me to do that. And it's not something that I created. It's something that I respect. 
Because if this is what's going on, if this is your feet are kicking, or maybe you remind me of somebody who's kicked me in the past, that might not be any fault of yours, right? Perhaps, you know, the kindest, gentlest, loveliest, wisest person reminds me of someone who caused me extreme trauma. <laughs> I, I can maintain a high regard for that person, just like I can maintain a high regard for the person who actually caused me the trauma, right? And respect the space between me and the person who did the trauma or the person who triggers my thought of the trauma, right? I can, I can respect that space that allows me to breathe more easily and to not be triggered with anxiety. And, and I learn to be aware of that limit, aware of my emotional dashboard, aware of, of what questions I can ask myself over time to determine if I'm assessing the situation accurately. You know, maybe I can risk vulnerability um, a little bit over time that, that maybe allows me to um, respect the space and, and allow it to be a little bit uh, more um, diminished. Maybe it's a closer in space. I can allow you to come a little bit closer. I can allow myself to um, reveal more of myself. You know, that's how, that's how that, that, that works over time, right? Or it's a firm like, yeah, you know what? I, I, I revealed this about myself and this is the response that I got. And it's still kind of pointing to this space being an appropriate amount of space. Or maybe this, maybe the space is even bigger than I thought that it was. And I need to respect the bigger space, right? There, there is no, no reason, right, why we can't regard every single human being on earth highly. Right? We can all benefit from, from asking ourselves, who, who do we not hold in high regard? And, and why, why do we not hold them in high regard? Are we not respecting the relational space that's necessary for us to not go into survival instinct mode? Because that's what really is going on when we um, push people and... And, um, oh, how do I say it? Like we demonize them, we villainize them, we dehumanize them, we, we blame and shame. We're trying to protect something of ourself. It's much more about ourself than it is about them and how horrible they are, right? And that goes back to that understanding, that, that kind of baseline understanding of God, and we're created in the image of God. So if God is unconditional acceptance and I'm created in that image, well, then I can unconditionally accept everybody, but I have to respect the space that allows me to see that person more clearly. Okay. So, um, I just lost my train of thought because I was, <laughs> if you heard the door open and close a second ago, that was Jesse saying, mom, you're my ride. I got to go. And so, um, I, I pushed through that and now all of a sudden at the end of this thought I'm thinking, oh my goodness, where, where am I now? Okay. So anyway, so un- unconditional acceptance, right? Who is it that I don't unconditionally accept, right? There's no reason um, that I ever need to talk ill of someone or sabotage them or gossip about them. Unconditional acceptance unfolds on itself. So what I mean by that is as we move towards accepting ourselves unconditionally, we automatically begin to accept others unconditionally, right? So I accept myself 
I start to accept you more. And on the other end of that, to the degree that we accept others unconditionally, that's the degree to which we have accepted that we are accepted unconditionally. And the degree to which we will be free to be who we already are. We're free to be exposed. We, we become more free to be naked and unashamed. So these things work together. As I am regarding everyone equally, highly, regarding myself, regarding others, unconditionally accepted, but respecting that space between us, understanding there's going to be limits in every relationship and respecting the space that those limits require, right? That's what allows us to be in that naked and unashamed space, that being exposed and accepted. And that's what we're doing here. So this ends this whole conversation. So hopefully, um, yeah, hopefully it wrapped it up. I feel like it went on for, for a while simply because there were so many breaks in there. But uh, hopefully, hopefully it all is making sense. I know some of you um, are listening one right after another, which is great. But those of you who are here at the beginning of the journey here have been waiting <laughs> patiently um, for this last uh, episode here. But, um, but you know, this we're going to take a break of from talking about being naked and unashamed in a metaphorical figurative sense. And we're going to move into talking about it in a literal sense, right? I'm going to, I'm going to start a discussion next, next episode. Um, next conversation episode will be, um, starting that discussion around sex, around relationships, around culture, right? Both the culture at large and the church subculture and, and their effects on, on how we think, and behave sexually. So stay, stay tuned for that. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so anyway, until then, I will be driving Jessie to her theater class, and I hope you will have a super day. Talk to you later.